The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 132. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Pete, say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home, it's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hello, Gatorinos. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Today, <laughs> today we're discussing the second episode of Season 7, Fallen. Sam and Jack return to Stargate Command after the mission to disable Anubis' superweapon. They report a partial success, but Daniel and Jonas are still stuck on Anubis' ship, which has jumped into hyperspace. Anubis is after the Nequadria on Jonas' homeworld. Teal'c, detained on Yu's Hatak vessel, persuades Yu's first prime, Oshu, to seek help from Baal against Anubis. Meanwhile, SG-1, along with the Langarian diplomats, try to prevent Anubis from acquiring a data crystal that could power his superweapon. I feel like it's always a crystal. <laughs> yeah. Anubis Just... attacks Lang- Langara, but Baal's fleet arrives, forcing Anubis to retreat. SG-1 saves Jonas, who eventually leaves Stargate Command to rejoin his people, and uh, Daniel Jackson rejoins SG-1 after uh, confirming that he's going to get paid, of course. Of course. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What are your thoughts on this episode, Father? Wait, we don't get paid for this? (laughs) We don't get paid. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So, of course, by saying Fallen, you meant Homecoming, the second episode of the Oh, did I say fall? Yes. Or is it part I, I three? I use it for a second because, of course, I was gone last week, so I missed that conversation, and I'm like, wait, uh, uh, did I, am I wrong here? No, but that's all right. Uh, this, you know, it's okay. I mean, obviously, this is finishing up a three-part story and getting Daniel Jackson's memory back, which, by the way, I'm glad it ends after this. We really mm. don't hear a lot of that yeah. anymore. It, they're all pretty much back. Um but no, this was this was good. It was kind of a send off to Jonas. Of course, it was a send off to Jonas, and you know, a welcome back to Daniel Jackson. But it was a lot of running in corridors, of course, and hiding in cargo bays and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we, yeah, it it was a decent enough episode. Yeah, a lot of tying up loose ends. Mm-hmm. What about you, Victor? Yeah, I I really like this episode. When I think of, you know, action Stargate, this is kind of the first episode that comes to mind. You know, there's a lot of running around ships. There's a lot of ships blowing up and there's a, uh, a beat or a, you know, a moment with some ring transporters that I think is one of my very favorite moments in all of Stargate, just in terms of it's like comedic and, uh, timing there. So I, I really like, I really like this episode. I think it's a good send off to, to Jonas. You know, it's bittersweet uh, when Gwen Koronimic is, is talking about how it's time for him to go home. And you're like, no, it's not time for you to go home. But I like it. I like this episode. It's it's a really good kind of capstone to the prior two episodes. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. 
Yeah, it was, uh, I wish they could have found a way to keep Jonas around, but I, I do also understand that oftentimes I feel like we talked about how there isn't really enough for all four members of the yeah. team to do something mm-hmm. per episode. So having five people there would probably just exacerbate that problem. Well, now we get back to, instead of, uh, Jonas being the, uh, the, the odd man out now will be Daniel Jackson again, being the odd man out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like you were saying, I'm glad that they're not going to continue his memory wipe. And I feel like even in this episode, they, it feels like they pretty much dropped it. Like he's, there's a couple allusions to it, but it seems like he's pretty much back to normal Daniel, even at the start. Yeah, and it's mainly played for comedic effect, too. They're like, you know, oh, how's it going? Oh, like usual, is it? You know, is this what yeah. we usually do? And and you know how Can it is, or do I? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of by, by the half the, the the halfway point of this episode, it's pretty much yeah, it, it's old Daniel Jackson. Yep, he's able to to have his uh, repartee with a uh, Jack now, so we got that back. Yeah, we do get some good dry kind of like line readings from Michael Shanks, like like when uh, Sam and Jack are telling him that the uh, mothership has dropped out of orbit over a Kelowna, you know, and and uh, and he's like, why? You know, really good. Like, you know, like well, we don't know, but we think it has something to do with the the quadria here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is nice that they they tie all that back together. Uh, and very sad that the uh, Colonians have decided to go ahead and use their bomb and mm-hmm. just all the fallout from that. Which I kind of I like that. They, no pun intended. They tie that together yeah. with oh, <laughs> not even yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh how that adds an extra layer of complexity to the fact that now the planet as a whole is facing a threat from outside rather than just one country, which is cool to see because so often in sci-fi it's every planet is its own like monoculture and nation. And you never see a situation where it's like, like in Star Trek or something where the ship comes down and is meeting the people for the first time. And it's always just, we represent the entire planet and there's never any sort of, all these yeah. different nations having to deal with like everything that would go on with that. So I like that that becomes a part of the plot with yeah. the nations scheming against each other and working with uh, the Gould and all that. Yeah. And we do see a little bit of that too. When, when, the, when there's a betrayal there, there where uh, commander Hale, I don't know where he had time to arrange this, you know, I rewatched it and it's kind of happens pretty quickly, but he uh, betrays everybody to a, to Anubis and, and then there's discussion among the other ambassadors about how they were all spying on each other and, you mm-hmm. know, pocketing the quadria and were working on their own bombs, too, which you would expect. Yep. I mean, you know, you'd almost expect even more animosity bet- from the two ambassadors who presumably had their population, you know, super nuked by the Colonians. Yeah. But. Well, it's it seems like I think yeah. the Colonians only did one bomb but the the effect of that bomb was so catastrophic which yeah. which of course you could just kind of hear the whispers of sg1 going we told you so we told yeah. you so you do see it on <laughs> sam's face like when he says like yeah. we use the bomb and, and jack's like on people and he's like well we had no choice and sam's like it's half like horrified and half like are you kidding me with these guys yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh i'm almost surprised that the country would even have ambassadors if the weapon was as bad as it was made out to be. Yeah. It's like, it kind of sounded like it's a, in the entire continent kind of thing, but I guess that's why they dialed it back and did not 
use more than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of use, uh, we don't see you much uh, at all, or really at all in this episode. Um, Teal'c is, is stuck on, you know, use Mothership with, uh, with Oshu, um, use First Prime, and he doesn't get to say, hey, use guys, but um, <laughs> that, that would have been out of place. But no, but no, Teal'c does manage to, and I like how reasonable um, Oshu is here. He's like, yeah, I mean, I can't without good reason go against you even if he is you know sundowning here mm-hmm. but teal is able to say hey well let's get someone else involved like like ball or something and so they do contact ball unfortunately we only get to see ball for one scene and he's on a screen you know yep. so you don't get his the full cliff simon uh presence there but uh it, it is a good uh maneuver on their part yeah and we'll get more of him coming yeah. up lots more yeah. of him it is also interesting to see the way SG-1 has started pitting the Gould against each other mm-hmm. and making these like ally- like enemy of my enemy is my friend alliances right. with Ball and stuff. Like He, he tortured Jack pretty badly, and so it's got to be... I, I no hard what, feelings on yeah. his part, I'm sure. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and of course, you know, even General Ham is like, wait, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the you know the first time we trusted you, it fell through, and now we're trusting Ball here. But it is, I, I do like how Ball you know says, "What is this Shalva doing here? Don't trust the traitor." But then as soon as he hears their plan, he he comes through. You know, he turns around, so he's able to put his disgust for for Teal'c aside mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly to you know defeat kind, the common like, enemy. Well, you you don't trust him, but we will take advantage of this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I like uh, Oshu is like the most complex uh, <laughs> kind of out, yeah. <laughs> outside of Teal'c during yeah. the whole show. Like, because he talks about how he's spent his entire life viewing you as a god, and he's dedicated his entire life to him, and he kind of knows he's not really a god. But at this point, like, this is what he's built his life on. How can he get yep. out of that? Even though he he knows what's going on. So I like that they have that complexity to him and. Even from his point of view, it's like, yeah, he's, you know, you know, he's not really a god, but what else do you have to go to? So you might as well just play along. Yeah. And all of his men don't know that you isn't a god. And so it's not like without a really good reason, he could jump out and and take control of the ship. And, you know, he says as much. So, yeah. Was he one of the, like, are the, were the ninja ghouled in that, or, the Ninja Jafan, that one episode, are they were they used guys? Because I feel like he had that same kind of uniform on. Like it was different from the typical no, I, Jaffa armor that they wear. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't those? know if the Ninja Jaffa they were always Anubis's guard or if they were also Ball's guard at some point. It's really hard to say. I think he's just. I was wondering if we'd seen him before, and I'd have to go back and check. You know, when they had the big summit in that episode, summit. Um, yeah, if he was one of the attendants for you at that point, um, I, or if that's the person Daniel Jackson was imitating with his little pheromone thing. So I think, I think that's who he was. Cause he was okay. supposed to be kind of like his, like his prime or. Okay. Yeah. You just know he has a different, like, I feel like the uniform style for used guys is, I need to stop saying used guys. Hey, used guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> for used Jaffa is is a lot more uh, it's a lot more toned down than the typical Jaffa armor that they seem to all have. Yeah, nobody has the fancy uh, morphing helmets anymore. Well, and they don't Those? in use <laughs> Jaffa's armors is is more oriental in design. Yeah. Because all the all the other ones is is still kind of the European or not the European the Egyptian esque yeah. design that they started with. I don't know if this is something Stargate ever does, but I kind of want to see like some Gould based on Celtic mythology. Have some berserker, berserker like Celtic warrior Jaffa. Oh, I can't. I don't. I can't recall that we that we see mm-hmm. that. The Jaffa thing gets gets resolved in the next couple of seasons here. Ah, yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't recall that either. You know, of course most of the northern gods are are Asgard. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So so Anubis has come to the planet and Jonas recovers very well from the you know, spiky ball mind implant. And they even kind of hang a lantern on that. Anubis invites him to the bridge and says, looks like you're recovering from the mind probe very well. And Jonas yeah. is like, fine. And yeah. then, and then, you know, you you do get to see the look of horror on his face when he realizes that they're above Kelowna and, and uh, they're there because he read Jonas's mind and knows that there's this new super powerful strain of Naquita there. And what I love about this episode is all throughout the past season we've seen how unstable Nequadri is how it messes up the hyperdrives every experiment they've tried with mm-hmm. it has failed and so of course anubis's you know gould lieutenant is there saying all right i've i've recreated your super weapon using this super powerful you know Nequadria. and you're like oh no he's going to completely destroy the city and it winds up blowing up part of uh, anubis's ship because they didn't his account reactor. for yeah yeah, it, yeah. they didn't account for the instability yeah, because <laughs> yeah, of their arrogance and and uh, yeah, so I did like I I did think that was a very nice touch because not even, you know, the Gould have have accounted for the instabilities of this. And so, you know, that was a very dramatic, tense moment. You're like, oh, no, here the Colonians are going to be wiped out. There goes their planet. And all of a sudden, well, and just, that's yeah. and that's why we know that Langara was left alone by the Gould because they can't use this stuff. They've mm-hmm. tried and they failed. Yeah. Yeah, but now that they know you can make bombs out of it, that would... Well, yeah, and so the, the the other MacGuffin they throw in here is a crystal, and I do like the way they set this up, where you hear reports over the radio, or they talk about reports coming in over the radio that Anubis's Jafar are searching for something, and you think, oh, they're looking for the Stargate, and then they're like, no, they're not looking for the Stargate, they're going through like a museum of antiquities, they're looking at these old ruins... And they kind of set this up over over stages until it's revealed that what they're looking for is a crystal that the previous Gould on the planet had left behind that says how to actually use the Nequadria. And so right. then that sets up, you know, the next stage of the adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's nice to get a get a resolution to that because Quadria's just not been trustworthy so far. But it's it's also <laughs> nice that it hasn't just become like a, a super weapon that you can just slap on everything. Kind of, yeah, kind of like the Naquita generators, you mean that they yeah, throw exactly. around like they're <laughs> yeah, made in, oh, just plug like their energizer ba- energizer yeah. batteries or something. Yeah, they just uh, plug one Let, in. Let's get a four pack of Naquita generators. We'll be yeah. fine. It, in Atlantis, it gets really bad. They really do. Just like oh, here's some alien technology we've never seen before. Let's just 
plug a, a generator into it. Yeah. We just happen to have this convenient place to plug it in. Yeah. With these jumper cables. Universal <laughs> like voltage conversion or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where we really got USB-C. <laughs> From the ancients. So we, know, so we know Apple does not operate with uh, NACODA generators then. I would imagine. Oh, yeah, because they, they do have the iPads later. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yeah, so so Daniel is running around the Anubis's mothership, and he's been injected with this isotope that masks him from their sensors. But you get kind of a ticking clock there, although it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, you know, he has only 15 minutes left. He finds uh, Jonas. Jonas is behind a force field. They can't get through the force field, but conveniently, that's when the reactor blows up on the ship because of their failed experiment. And Jonas, uh, you know, tries to run into the force field and kind of paralyzes his arm a little bit. But then the second time he he bashes through. And I think yep. isn't that a reference to Princess Bride where Daniel asks him, like, oh, how's your arm doing? And he's like, I wiggled my fingers. And I think yeah. that's a I think yeah, that's I think a so. reference yeah. to Princess Bride I, I, where I, I think Andre the Giant, like, yeah. He wiggled his fingers yeah. or something like <laughs> that. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. Does that yeah. make you happy? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make you happy. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was really good, especially uh Coronemic's line reading on that, which sounded kind of Andre the Giantish. Yep. Um yeah. there. But uh their plan to steal a cargo ship doesn't work, and so they're gonna use the ring transporters. They don't really know where it's gonna wind up but jonas recalls that they found a, a, a ring platform and what i love is that you know as uh, sam and and Tilk have gone to this warehouse of you know ancient stuff to find the crystal they're ambushed by the guards because of course commander hale has has mm -hmm. turned on them and just as they're they're ambushed and they have to turn over the crystals the ring transporter in the warehouse activates and uh, jonas and daniel blast all the Jafan. i think that's that's one of my favorite moments oh, yeah. in all the show just yeah. the coincidence you know but it makes sense in the logic of the show well, and, and and all this all the stuff was oh, there's all this junk just laying on top of it I yeah and all, that even where they found the crystal originally was in the pile of stuff that was yeah on, where the ring yeah, transporter was it's like well it hasn't been used in 2000 years well it'll work yeah <laughs> and the transporter activates and the rings like make boxes go flying all over the yep. place i thought that was just it's it's just it's, uh, a good moment it's one of those kind of uh you know ironically humorous moments that um i love that totally works in universe with the technology they're using yep yeah and it's totally an sg like sg1 type thing to do is like of course they ring down to the exact place that sam and teal are mm -hmm. you know at and that it, particular moment at least you know daniel and, and uh jonas are quicker on the oh hey bad guys <laughs> yeah, <fire."> yeah. <laughs> the wild gunmen yeah yeah definitely they they go for it. Um, yeah, and uh, Commander Hale, he, he gets his comeuppance for betraying his people because yep. Ghoul just, as soon as he's done, he gets staffed. Thanks for your help. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Thanks like, <laughs> for your service. Did you, did you really not see that coming, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm, I'm really sorry we don't get to see the guy who played the first minister before because he was a really good actor. I can't recall mm -hmm. his name, but he does. They oh, do yeah. mention that he was wiped out. But, um, I don't know that the commander Hale's line readings in this are all, of course, I will not trust you because where are your men? You know, it's always like he, he doesn't modulate his reading of any of the lines. They're always kind of like this officious, you know, thing up until, yeah. Well, so he's kind he, of a one dimensional or two dimensional. Well, character. then there's like, you know, yeah. one or two scenes where he basically gets told no. Yeah. And he just gets a scowl on his face, like a little child, like you're not doing what I want you to do. 
Yeah, you know, he or, thinks he can just strong arm his way through everything and doesn't work out in the end. We're we're a ways away from you know the nuances of of Robert Foxworth's performance a couple of episodes ago. Oh yeah, you know, it, mm-hmm. but all the uh, you know people on the the ambassadors are kind of one note there, you know, but they they don't have to be fully fleshed out or realized. I guess <laughs> they're just there to serve the purpose of hey, there's other countries involved here. Like they don't they don't need to be more than that for this episode yep yeah and we get another firefight with jaffa and you know um harak uh you know drops the crystal escapes but not after you know being tackled by sam i think or or something and then you know he blasts and then jonas jumps in front of daniel jackson to save him you know and mm-hmm. takes the staff blast for him but you know we get another kind of warehouse shootout with lots of people flying over railings and stuff Yep. Although my 10 year old was watching, he's like, you could see he pulled himself over the railing. Like, watch that again. Like he he grabbed the railing and pulled himself over. He didn't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite example of that is when you see like the the squibs go off that it's like a grenade or a cannon hits the ground. And then you see the people jump after the explosion. Okay. Now it's time to jump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or or they hit the springboard or whatever they're, they're jumping onto. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but it you know it is what it is, and it's it's a pretty good firefight. Jack gets some sarcastic lines off against uh, Harak again. I can't remember what ultimately happens with Harak, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Um, hopefully he, he gets a, a moment with Jack at the end. That would be nice to see his uh, <laughs> maybe maybe he can he can join their team and they can just snipe at each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be like a suicide squad, a suicide squad version of Stargate or something, <laughs> where all the villains are like you know pressed into service to stop an even greater, uh, greater villain. That might be a that might be an interesting idea. They should do yeah. that for the revival, except they shouldn't actually do that because yeah, it could be no. like Todd Todd the Wraith and stuff and. Um, from Atlantis, which if you know the character Todd the Wraith, he would be awesome in like a Suicide uh, Squad version of Stargate. <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward to getting to Atlantis. Yeah. Not that far off now. No. Just uh, a, a, another few months. And, and I was going to say end of, this, end of this season, isn't it? Yep. Nice. Well, that'll be fun. I'll have to, uh, it's not on Hulu anymore, I just found out, so I'll oh. need to get Ooh. the DVDs. Yeah, that reminds me. Yeah, get the Blu-ray. Yeah, the Blu-ray box or whatever. Yeah, you got to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on the ship, we do get a nice, nice scene with Daniel and and Jonas, where Jonas says, "You know, if we live through this, I just want you to know." And Daniel graciously, magnanimous, magnanimously says, "You know, you can keep the office." And Jonas is like, no, it's more about the position on SG-1. I joined it to protect Kelowna, but now I've led aliens right to our doorstep. Uh, You know, it's exciting and stuff, but I got to go help my planet. And, you know, it is very sad to see Jonas go. And I can only Mm -hmm. imagine what was going through Corin Nimick's head as he, like, very graciously read these lines, basically handing his role back to Michael Mm -hmm. Shanks. And then uh, Daniel Jackson going, like, you're very up. Yeah, <laughs> and just goes yeah, and just yeah. like that, that was like a great that was a great moment between that, that, that been a great line. He said, "Yeah, Doctor Fraser's got me on some good stuff." <laughs> yeah, yep. I had that 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, I've mixed feelings about Jonas leaving. On the one hand, I feel like he he wasn't utilized or developed mm. enough, but I think that that's no fault of Koran Nimick, who was great in no. the role, but. It's probably just a matter of they didn't have enough time to develop his character for several seasons. So I would have liked to see where they went with that. But it is it is also nice to get the Daniel uh, dynamic back with Jack, although mm-hmm. I'll have to see where, where they go with him in the future if, if I'm going to ultimately be happy that he came back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they they do kind of give Jonas an arc that completes in this episode. Stargate isn't really a, you know, develop your character's show. Like, Mm -hmm. we got maybe, like, three or four episodes that developed Daniel's character over the course of five seasons. You know, so, oh, he has a grandfather. It's like, oh, he has an ex-girlfriend who's now Osiris, you know, or something like that. You know, you don't get a lot of character development or backstory. Um, But... Yeah, so I think in another few seasons they could have developed him more, but he does kind of conclude his arc, and I I do like how you know the government of Kelowna, the the main nation, welcomes him back, but only because the other two nations specifically requested him to be part of their kind of joint, um, you know, multinational task force. Right. So he's welcome back, if not as a hero, but you know, not as a traitor. Yeah. I did think that him bringing up, you know, fighting for Kelowna and protecting his planet was kind of his primary motivation. And I don't feel like he's ever really talked about that at all in the entire a little season. Bit. Yeah, it, it did it was, come it up. Kind of a one line once in a while yeah. where he's talking about, you know, he joined SG-1 to help defend his planet as well. It was the episode with uh, Dean Stockwell, I think. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, why'd you run out on all of us? And he's telling the first minister or someone, you know, because the best chance we have for protecting the planet is for for me to be out there figuring out what the threats are. And that's not to say, and this isn't the direction they go, that Kelowna starts up their own Stargate program and is sending their own teams through headed by Jonas. That would have been cool. That's not what they wind up doing. But yeah, that would have been cool, cool to see. Yeah, yeah. It, but it is kind of a thread that gets dropped, you know, and, and of course, we've got that promise of someday maybe there will be, a, you know, Stargate continuation, you know, Stargate the next generation or something like that. I don't know if we'll hear anything about this, but who knows? Yeah, and I just I just read on GateWorld and it was it's kind of old news because it was announced 12 years ago when Brad Wright was writing it, but he actually wrote a movie that brought together the the three casts of the three Stargate shows, SG one Atlantis and universe to kind of wrap up the universe storyline. Mm. And he says like he wrote a draft or at least a, a treatment, but nobody was, you know, MGM wasn't interested in producing it at, at the time. So I wonder like if that's still out there and if that's something that, you know, could be read someday. I assume he's got it now, yeah. whether or not, whether or not it would be done with the, the, existing crew now with the success of babylon 5's animated yeah movie maybe mgm would look that way where they could bring the actors back as voice in, in voice because let's be honest they none of sg1 looks the way they did in this 
yeah i mean i haven't yeah i mean I, yeah obviously they don't look like they they did you know 12 or 13 years ago but um <laughs> yeah but but no and i mean yeah even even uh you know babylon 5 the road home i mean bruce boxleitner in his in his 78 80 years old you mm-hmm. know acting out a character he played 30 years ago you know He's a little more seasoned, but he's, you know, you you fall right into it. You're like, oh, that's oh, yeah. totally, yeah, it's totally, you know, yeah. Sheridan. Oh, yeah. I do know that um, there's been rumors and information that's come out about what Amazon is working on with Stargate. And apparently they want to start with movies mm-hmm. and not a TV series. So it would be cool if this would be what they would use to kick that off where they could kind of wrap up the previous shows and give them a, a good capstone and then move forward with it so right hopefully they actually reach out to the people who worked on stargate originally to to do that but apparently well, that doesn't seem to have been happening well and, and we hear you hear rumors back and forth because yeah. then you get the, the the people who worked on the expanse are apparently stargate fans and have been stargate fans for a very long time and they've expressed interest in taking up the mantle of stargate with mgm and of course mgm is going expanse was a great hit we want you, you know, I mean, so that, that if that's what it takes, because I know Brad yeah. Wright had done, you know, was it a couple of years ago, he did a pilot for a new series that MGM showed some interest, but then Amazon bought MGM and Amazon kind of went, eh, let's wait a few minutes. And they're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Or it could just be a bunch of teenagers find the Stargate in an old abandoned base in the woods and start to, I don't know, <laughs> that would be the worst possible laziest uh way to relaunch it stargate stranger things yeah yeah stargate afterlife (laughs) yeah (laughs) gotta make sure to uh drop in tons of unnecessary uh references yeah (laughs) no i i I do like this episode i i think it's it's a you know good send-off as as good as a send-off for jonas as i think we could we could get Mm-hmm. Um, a good, you know, it, reintroduction to to Daniel Jackson, and you know we're back next week with our standard Stargate hijinks. Return yeah. to form, yeah, yeah. I do like that they kind of end and start each season with a like a big three, two or three parter. It's nice, yeah. nice way to move a lot of the overarching story forward and kind of set the stage for the episode of the week adventures that you have in between it's a good format well i think and of course at this time they're they're on sci-fi so they're getting a little more stability sci-fi when it was still s-c-i-f-i not s-y-f-y by the way yeah Yeah, sippy um so they had a little more stability in their seasons Mm -hmm. you know because because uh uh showtime kept kind of doing the maybe we will maybe we won't Uh, yeah i guess we will and I think sci-fi gave them a couple-year contract, if I remember correctly. I can also imagine that sci-fi, uh, just doing reruns of Stargate, was probably a big uh, income bringer in or for them. So, oh yeah, awesome. Uh, y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? So I did kind of get you know the the sarcastic chuckle of how you know they couldn't send troops but they could send technical advisors. Yeah. And of course, if you know your history of Vietnam (laughs) and after technical advisors is a keyword. Yep. Definitely not uh, relevant to anything in the news right now. No, not at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can cut that if you want, Victor. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, who knows what? Who knows what the news is going to be way, in two or three the, weeks? The way, yeah. I was going to say the way things have been going, that's not going to matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Radio Free Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Speaking of quadria bombs. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, you know. By the way, we didn't even mention that. You know, the of course, Balls Calvary shows up right at time. Yeah, it right does. Oh, and I, I love what I really love about this. Is, so you see the five or seven, you know, motherships like to cloak and they immediately drop out of hyperspace and without like missing a beat, just start, you know, blowing the, uh, the you know, Anubis's ship. And what I like about it is that they're just blasting it so hard that they're missing and they're, they're hitting the yeah. surface. They're blowing up buildings on the surface. And of course, you know, in the tunnels underneath, you know, 100 meters underneath the surface, you know, they're feeling the aftershocks and they're like, whoops, mm-hmm. got to go. But yeah, I, I do like that they took the time to say, you know, these people are not going to be, you know, necessarily aiming super accurately. And so you do see like buildings in the background getting hit yep. and uh, so the targets on the surface just because they're missing. Yeah. You blast as much as you can as quickly as you can. Get as much of armament yeah. out there. And if it misses, oh, well, of course they're gold too. So it's like if they miss, oh, well. Eh. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They're not coming to help Kelowna. They're coming to stop Anubis. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they, so, they don't care about collateral damage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to them, that's just a what Tuesday. Happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for Bison, it was Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's but exactly for Anubis. Yeah. But then Ball gets on the screen. He's like, "Your time's up, Anubis." And they pan around. I love this moment too. And Anubis's chair is empty. Right, yep. the chair that he's yeah. been like lounging in, and then you see his little like ring captain's yacht yeah captain's yeah. yacht it is just like zip, you know because just, he's taking this big mothership into the atmosphere to mask the fact that he's escaping in his little mm-hmm. yeah i'll get you next time <laughs> yeah Shaking i'll get you fist. next time gadget <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> got the voice for it too yeah exactly I do also like, uh, speaking of that scene, how it, it does that pan around and his chair is empty. So I'm presuming that like, it was a one-way video feed because Ball couldn't yeah, see that there was no yeah. one there. Yeah. He was just broadcasting it out. He wasn't yeah. necessarily, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been funnier if we saw like Anubis like, sneaking out of the scene like, like we saw Hathor like in the episode where, well, yeah. that, her episode where she's kind of just like sneaking out into the <laughs> out of the locker yeah. room as they're you know, blowing up the gold tank, but we yeah. don't get to see that. It's more effective this way. <laughs> True. Do we have any, uh, alternate language titles for this episode? Uh, yeah. In German, uh, you know, last week we had alles auf ein Karte part one. This week we have, uh, alles auf ein Karte part two, which is go for broke part two. So again, they are continuing to go for broke. Most of the other ones were were some uh, version of of homecoming, which is you know returning to home um, in the Romance languages. Although mm-hmm. in French we get uh, retour au source, which is uh, return to the origins, part two. Second so, party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, second party. So they don't uh, necessarily uh, you know or- origins and home. I guess are interchangeable, but similar enough. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, we do have some feedback. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, James wrote us uh, at uh, Stargate at our email at uh, Stargate at SQPN.com saying, since the team brought up the contingent of fans who think that the show is in, su- in some way provided cover for a secret military operation, as is joked about in the show itself with Wormhole Extreme, I'd like to share my story. 
My uncle was a civilian physicist who worked at a top-secret Air Force program under Cheyenne Mountain in the 80s and early 90s. The program is still classified, but their cover story literally was deep space radar telemetry. <laughs> I am not joking. <laughs> My uncle shares many personal personality traits with McKay. He met his wife, now divorced, a headstrong blonde feminist Air Force officer who was also a physicist while working on the same program under the mountain. I'm not saying that Stargate that the Stargate is real and all that, but it does often feel to me like someone involved in developing the concept of the show and the characters McKay and Carter knew of my aunt and uncle in their careers. He also says, uh, while I am Protestant, sorry, Father, I have greatly enjoyed listening to the podcast as I watch the show with my wife, who is watching Stargate for the first time. Me too. I am thankful to have to have a podcast that is fun and lighthearted while also inoffensive to Christian sensibilities. Keep up the good work. Thanks, James. I really appreciate that feedback, and I'm appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and just believe that the Stargate program is real now, based on that, because that's more fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I believe that you know when you're writing fiction, characters are more effective if you base them on people you know rather than just archetypes, and that one of the reasons you know McKay and Carter are such effective and well loved characters is that they are based on you know real people that you know existed and that writers knew and stuff. So. That could be your your uncle and his uh, and his wife Ex. there. Yeah, Ex, they, yeah, maybe maybe they were the the Air Force advisors for the show. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know they they always they always comment how there used to be a as far as I know it, it's no longer there but there used to be a broom closet mm-hmm. that was marked as Stargate Command in Cheyenne Mountain. Are we really sure that was a broom closet? That's what they want you to believe. That's yeah. what they want you to believe. And by the way, James, don't don't worry. We'll we'll convert you by the end of the series. Oh, no, no big deal. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hallowed are the ori. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. no glad waste. you're listening. Glad yeah. you're enjoying the you're listening, enjoying the show, and please do keep it up. Yeah, definitely. Please keep yeah. sending the feedback. We we love yeah. feedback. So that's yeah, great. definitely. We uh, it's it's a good story, and we uh, we love we love hearing that, and we love that the show is something that uh. Which we try to keep it lighthearted, kind of like how Stargate yep. is, and it's good to have a, a show out there that's not dropping uh, like lots of language or anything like that. Because I've had or that before political where, this or yeah, oh my gosh, I was watching a Babylon Five podcast that shall remain nameless, and it just like went blue, as they used to say in in you know stand up comedy circles, like so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are pledged. Yeah, we'll never we'll never do that. That's for sure. Yeah, no. no. Dom would have our heads. He would stop paying us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stop not paying us. I'm never uh, getting paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we really appreciate the feedback. Yeah. And we'd like to take a moment to uh, thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secret to Stargate, including Sean S., Jason G., Richard S., Joshua S., and Jacob U. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secret to Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. You can follow the show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And you can find the video versions at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send us feedback, like James did, uh, you can visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com and follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter or X or whatever it's being called these days, at SQPN. (laughs) And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Fragile Balance. 
Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secret to Stargate. Well, thank you, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And haven't you guys heard the story about the dog and the dancing monkeys? It's about getting along and dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. And once again, I'm Jack Berizzini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who.